Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Creative Elite Arts Company, located in Chicago, Illinois, and Dallas, Texas. We're your one-stop shop for everything art. We teach all the genres of dance, instrumental, and vocal music, modeling, culinary arts, drums and drill, and so much more. Check out our website at creativeelitesartcompany.com. Like and follow us on social media outlets or call us today. 312-756-9647. Join us in our mission to change the world one child at a time. Creative Elite Arts Company. Uh, Woods. So welcome back another episode of Finesse Media Podcast Season 3. I'm your host, Ken Finesse Media. And as mentioned right before the break, we got someone on. Again, that's Finesse in the Game. You see it on the screen. But I'd definitely like to introduce to some, welcome to others, uh, legendary the Nikki Woods. With so many years of talent, Nikki Woods has done things with Tyler, I mean, with Tom Joyner. Um, where I'm from, Chicago, Illinois, with the crazy Howard McGee show, definitely want to jump into that. But for the first time joining the podcast, the Finesse Media Podcast Season 3, make some noise and show some love for my girl, the Nikki Woods. What's going on, Miss Woods? No, thank you to be here. <laughs> like, so excited. Listen, I told you right before I press uh, record that I'm super nervous to have you on, so I'll continue that transparency. <laughs> but no, seriously, you're someone who... Growing up in Chicago, as I mentioned, listening to WGCI every single day, we talked, I said it, you know, crazy Howard McGee, listening to that crazy guy, um, but I never saw your face, and back in that time, not making, or, or, or telling dates here, but radio was just it. You had no social media, so you really listened to the radio for the personalities, and not necessarily so much for the media back then. Just how was that? I mean, that's not the direction of my interview, but I started that, because I'm from Chicago, so yeah. I'm jump right into it. How was that working with Crazy Howard McGee, and how did that opportunity even start? You know, it's really interesting, um, because I, I started in TV, and I, I didn't like it at all. Like, it was just so superficial, and it's like everybody, you know, I would report that somebody got murdered, and they want to know where I got my shoes. I mean, it was just really <laughs> crazy. And so, you, I mean, you, you hit it on the nail. Like, radio was so intimate. It was so personal. All it was was, like, us having a conversation. Yeah. Like, you couldn't get caught up in what people looked like. None of that happened. And so, um, you know, I fell in love with radio. I was in Boston for a while, but I had gone to school in Chicago. So GPI was always the goal for me. That, that was like the goal. That was like the top goal. And I was in Boston and every week I would send Elroy, who was the program director at that time, you know, my air check, which is what I sounded like on the air and a resume. And I'd get that little form letter, like we're not hiring. And <laughs> I did it for like a year. And so I um, eventually left Boston and I was on my way to Jacksonville, Florida, but my sister still lived outside of Chicago. And so I was like, well, I'll just stop it. Like, I'll just go say hi. You know, I've been 
mail, and it wasn't even email, and it was like physical mail, like for a year. <laughs> you like, have to wait for it. You know who I am, right? And so I went up there, and luckily I had an air check, and Elroy wasn't there, but his the assistant program, Jay Allen, who is still doing, um, he's doing Soul 1063, I think, in Chicago now. Um, he was there, and so we were talking, and then Elroy came, and I was like, you know, we were talking, and Elroy was like, well, let me hear what you sound like. So I popped in the tape. And I got hired that day. I had to call Jacksonville and tell them I wasn't coming. <laughs> I wasn't coming. So I, I was hired that day. Literally, they had to make a, a space for me. But you're growing up in Missouri and being in this space in Chicago. I mean, that just had to have been, you know, kind of different, too, because that was a suburb part of Missouri where you grew up, grew up in. Yeah, no, I grew up in a really small town. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a St. Louis County suburb, but it was small. And um, it was very uh, close-knit. Like, we knew everybody. My dad was the mayor. So, I mean, it's like, you know, everybody knew you. You couldn't go anywhere and not be known. Especially when your dad's the mayor. (laughs) (laughs) Like, follow me home to make sure I got – I mean, it was just – you couldn't date. You couldn't do anything. And so I was like, I'm going as far away as possible. And so I went to Howard for for college. And that kind of just, like, opened up everything. And actually, um, Tom Joyner's son, Thomas Jr., was at Howard when I was there. Um, and no inkling about radio. I was going in, I was going to be a teacher. And I actually graduated with my degree in education. Um, and so I was a fifth grade teacher for a while. Um, but for whatever reason, I was like, you know, this isn't it for me. And I decided to go into to broadcast journalism. So I went back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, GCI was like always my goal. Like I thought I would end my career at GCI. Being that, I mean, you, you, you can't say Chicago without saying GCI. It, it's so funny because anytime I hear another, like, syndicated radio station if I'm in another another city, and they're like, GCI, it's such and such. I'm like, no, no, we should have copywritten GCI. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, it's really – go ahead. And Chicago is such a great city, and they love all of their um, personalities, for lack of a better word. So sports figures, Pink radio, house. TV – any anybody they just love on you whether you're from there or not people think i'm from chicago i always thought (laughs) when i done my research i go wait first off she's not from chicago then i had to understand what part of missouri on the map was she from um but i always thought you were from chicago i remember tweeting you years ago maybe seven eight years ago when twitter was sort of popular and you would follow me on twitter we would tweet back and forth and i was working in chicago at a um mattress store and would just tweet back and forth and I go oh my gosh she's super genuine she's a real person because you sounded so robotic on in the best way on air and I'm like wait she's a real person she tweets back and you were very kind to me so thank you for that uh, you really were and uh, I was saying to you then hey I'm coming to Dallas and then we could do that <laughs> and here I am now Nikki was in Dallas Texas we're in Dallas <laughs> yeah so I'm in Dallas I, I moved here five years ago uh, almost now six yeah, but when I was discussing it and, and you know, uh, conversing with you, uh, I was in Chicago, and then maybe two years afterwards, I moved to New York, I got married, I had to meet my wife after two weeks. Did <laughs> <laughs> you really? Ma'am, yes. I will interview you about that. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but you were at Howard University, as you mentioned, um, you know, in starting your journey there, and then you ultimately got your degree at St. Francis University. So how was your experience at St. Francis University? doing your undergrad very concentrated on radio and tv i mean it was the best experience i could have had to get me prepared for my career like i partied at howard like howard was like i got all of that out of my system (laughs) i got to st francis 
you know, because I was a couple years older than, you know, than everybody else. And so it was like, I was really just focused on getting done and getting out. But um, they had such a great program with, you know, letting, like I was a station manager at, you know, the TV station manager at the school. I mean, you got hands-on experience. Um, and so that's what I loved about, about St. Francis. But it was small enough and diverse enough that, um, you know, you really were able to focus no, that's, on, that's... Um, yeah, on, on what you were trying to do. So it was, it was a good place for me to be. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel too, Nikki, kind of being at those small schools. I Every time someone comes on, I give the opportunity to say, this is my alumni school, University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff. So I went to school in the South. So that was certainly different for me, kind of traveling the way you went to Howard and being from a small town in Missouri. But the HBCU experience for me was just all the way different because I was like wait these folks jumping around the fraternities and sororities that is uh, and I just had no idea that that life really existed Uh, but it was a fun time but speaking of Howard and speaking of HBCUs we're about to elect our first black African-American vice president uh, Kamala Harris so what's your thoughts about that because she's also a Howard alumni well she's been elected (laughs) right she's been elected right (laughs) we'll put her through that again at all um, you know what we've talked to, you know, we've known Kamala since, um, you know, she was in, I think it was Michigan or she's been around. And so we've always talked to her. She's always been really solid, really upfront, really straightforward. Um, I think she brings a lot of flavor to the whole, you know, Joe Biden ticket and the presidency there. And so I couldn't be prouder. I mean, I thought I was proud, you know, with Barack and I was. Um, and Michelle, and you know, being from Chicago, it's like you know we knew Barack before he was even state senator. <laughs> you know, so to be able to, um, you know, to have interviewed him at every stage in his career, and we were actually uh, in D.C. when he was inaugurated the first time. Um, it, it's just been amazing, and I feel the same way about about Kamala. I think she's she's brilliant. I think she's a perfect choice, just like Barack. And I'm really excited to see how we're going to recover from um, the, the current presidency. No, absolutely. And it's been a crazy whirlwind in 2020. But Nikki, well, you're still on the move. No pun or all <laughs> intended with your podcast move, uh, you know, highlight women on the move. So I checked out a couple of episodes. I'm inspired even as a man listening to it, because this platform just to kind of, you know, set the stage is about talking to people that is finessing the game. But really what that means for me is those people that got a story and everybody has a story. And so when you say women on the move and talking to women, that's kind of trends, uh, you know, preferable for any, you know, male or female. So, how did you start that podcast uh, move? So, interestingly enough, uh, it was called Women on the Go. We started that like 13 years ago when I was still in Chicago. Um, and the guy that gave me my first job in radio, we were doing it together, Ken Johnson. Um, and, you know, we just both got so busy when I came to Tom and all of this that we stopped doing it. And so we reinvented it into move. Okay. But we were doing a podcast before people were doing podcasts. Like we had this whole <laughs> thing going on, uh, and it was a lot of fun. But unlike you, like I love the conversation. I love the information. I love just learning about people and their stories. And often, you know, when you have somebody on, you think you're going to talk to them about one thing, right. and then you hear their story. And like today, I was interviewing a lady um, about business, but then I found out she was a triathlon of, and a mother of five who had just lost a hundred pounds. I'm like, okay, wait, we gotta talk about, we gotta talk about that. <laughs> right, that's business in a minute. 
Well, I just love people's stories. I like learning, you know, how they got to where they are. And like you, I think that everybody, um, you know, has a story, whether you're a celebrity or whether you're famous or whether you're an influencer or whatever. I think everybody has a story that other people can learn from. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And just kind of going back, turning the wheels, beginning of your story, when did you first fall in love with media? Because Tom Joyner is, as we know, the hardest working man, and you know, in the business. He also coined you one of the hardest working women in the business. Uh, so, how did you first kind of discover that 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 was something that you really wanted to do? I don't, I don't know. And I was looking when I was looking at the information that you sent. I was like, I'm gonna ask my daddy. Like, if he remembers, <laughs> like ever us ever having a conversation about it. Um, but it's like, in retrospect, it's like, this is what I always should have been doing. Mm. I mean, this is what I've done all my life. And it just wasn't in any kind of a formal thing. Like I used, I remember like, you know, my dad coming home from work and he would take a shower while the first airing of the news was on. And so I would give him my version of the news when he was done before he saw the real news. And so it's like, just, I just love the conversation. Conversation. I yeah. And so, but nobody ever said, you know what, you should consider, you know, <laughs> um, from like a Jamaican family where, you know, if you're not a teacher or a nurse or a doctor, like you have no purpose in life. And so uh, my parents still don't quite understand what I'm doing, but I, I think they've come to accept it. <laughs> but you yeah. mentioned, as you mentioned, your dad and your mom and being influential and, and kind of guiding you through your career, but you're a mom of two. You know, you got your you got your two boys, uh, Travis and Willis. How is that? But they're teenagers. They're not even babies no more. Oh, my. When I tell you, uh, my oldest son is now. And it's so funny because I remember when I had him and I was in Chicago at GCI. And when I had him, like, I was on the air, like, two minutes later. So he was born? Your, your, your sons were born in Chicago? They were born while I was at GCI, both of them, yeah. Um, and so my oldest son is 18, and he's a freshman in college. And my youngest one is 17 and soon to be. And it's just, it's just the best thing in the world. It really is. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you know, obviously there's, you know, the growing up in the teenage years and now them trying to find themselves as adults. But um, I mean, they're really, really awesome kids. And I, I really can't take all the credit for that. They've done a lot, you know, to, to grow themselves, but um, it's just the best feeling in the world. Do you have kids yet? Do I? So, Nikki Woods. No, like <laughs> so, Nikki Woods. <laughs> I do. I have a 10-month-old. A, a um, oh, okay. Yeah, so I had a, a pandemic baby, right? I have yeah. a 10-month-old, a 3-year-old, and a 5-year-old, and I have three boys. So, right. I'm busy. I stopped at the second one, because the second one was supposed to be a girl, and they came, he came out a boy. I was like, ah, no more. I'm done. Like, I'm not having my own basketball season. Just so, not. Nikki, I told you I'm in Dallas, so swing up the block if you need to pick up your nephews. What? <laughs> you could tweet me when I was, like, when you were somewhere else, and now that we're in the same city, you just, like, have nothing to say. <laughs> So, so how is that? I mean, because I've been here six years in Dallas, and I love this place. And I listen to people like Badu who says, like, the air is different here, and, the, you know, it's clean, the water. I enjoy it. I feel like there's a sense of peace living here. What do you think about living in Dallas? I love it now. Um, and I think I love it because my kids love it and because I feel, I think, a lot safer than if we were still in Chicago. Um but I think that you have to be like at a certain, for me, I had to be at a certain point in life because leaving Chicago was like, it was, it was rough. And coming from like New York, I mean, it's a, it's a transition period because it's just not the same vibe. And so, um, but now it's just, you're right. I mean, it's just, it's just peaceful and, um, you know, people are, are nice and, 
you know, and, it, and you just do what you do. But I think that it's been a great environment for, for kids, especially boys yeah. who love sports at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a great place for them to be. Yeah, I mean, my my cousin, he's uh, a, a junior varsity uh, defensive coach in DeSoto. And these oh. kids, uh, the Titans, shout out to the Titans if they're watching. Um, but these kids, I mean, they come from all different communities, from different schools. And, you know, where I'm from in Chicago, you really didn't have that. I mean, that program, much less that community. And then people traveling from different sides of town. It was kind of like if you were on the west side, you stayed on the west side. So I, I see people that comes from way up. I'm in Frisco. So I see folks that come from way up north, traveling down to DeSoto, taking their kids to practice. And so I do appreciate that community here and that coaching and that real tight knit. But as mentioned, coaches, I'm having good segues. <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, give me a, a report card at the end because you're a professional what you do but when you think about coaches I always say if a coach doesn't have a coach you met a hypocrite so who is your mentor who's been I mean Tom Joyner you can say it off the top but I can imagine that you being you know shaken in this industry for so many years and the educational background that you have you know rubbed elbows with many different folks that have taught you the game along the way who are some of your mentors I try to learn from everybody that I come in contact with. I mean, definitely Tom, and not necessarily from radio, even though that too, but Tom really taught me about how to take a passion and like make it into a business. I mean, Mm -hmm. Tom is a pioneer when it comes to owning your own stuff, right? And so um, I think that I really got that um, from him, but I think learn from everybody but but I always have even when I you know now that I have my own business like I have, I have business coaches and business mentors um I think I learned from from everybody um but probably I think if I had to, to pick one person especially in the radio business it would probably be Elroy who was the mm. PD when I was there Elroy was really um very hands-on almost to the point where it was annoying <laughs> I kind of wanted to go the other way when you saw him coming um but he cared about you. And I think that that's the difference with a lot of people that, um, you know, you work with, even though it's in a professional setting, mm-hmm. you can really tell he cared about you and he cared about you as a person and he cared about your growth. Um, you know, he still calls me and it's been God, 12 years since him and I worked together. And he still calls me every once in a while. He's like, I just want to remind you, I'm your biggest fan. You know, <laughs> I just fucked you up. Um, so I think he, um, and, and I think I learned the biggest lesson from him about how to get fired <laughs> that, that I learned from anybody. Elroy, you would have thought Elroy had gotten a million dollar bonus the way he left after they fired him. Oh my um, goodness. And it was just with such grace. And, um, and you could definitely tell that that extended his career in radio because radio is such a small business entertainment is such a small business mm-hmm. that if you burn a bridge mm-hmm. yeah you can end your career yeah and so i think that i told him that all the time like i learned how to get fired watching you get fired <laughs> but, uh, but yeah elroy is probably one of my biggest biggest mentors in this business or just taking some time off is what i like to call it yeah. we don't get fired we take time off <laughs> you've been fired a couple of times like you are doing your job so it's like getting fired sometimes is a badge of honor for us well, let's coach our listeners and people who are watching because you are the coach, you're the marketing, you're the strategist, you know. So let's dive into some of the things that you're telling your people on the podcast and things that you work in your media form. So what are some media um, do's and don'ts, some media pitches, do's and don'ts, you would say? Just 
So the very basic thing, and I think this is probably, um, it's the simplest thing, but it's like the most difficult thing, I think, for people to grasp, is that if you want, if you have a business or a brand or a book or a story or, or whatever, you're trying to pitch yourself to get an interview in the media, especially like traditional media, but it's a podcast, and you know this, um, it really is more important that you start with whatever value that you bring to the interview and not what it is that you're trying to sell. So don't ever like put in the subject line, I just released a book, I want to tell your audience about it, or I have a new service that I want to talk about. I mean, it really is about the value that's in the book or in the service. I mean, if you've written, you know, a book about how to become a millionaire in 2021, then you have some tips that you can share with the audience that will get them interested enough to buy the book. So you don't have to pitch the book. You just have to pitch the value and then everything else sells itself. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing because people are so focused on trying to get the sale that they forget that they need to give value. And the quickest way to not get invited back is to focus on the sell. Like okay. pound a ton up on people because they wouldn't stop talking about their book. All right. So those, that's the biggest tip you that's would the give. Biggest, that's the biggest thing. Once people get that, it'll become a lot easier. And obviously there are nuances and all of that, but that is like the biggest thing I want people to get. In 2020, uh, Nikki, uh, I do logos and on the side <laughs> amongst this podcast and be a dad and et cetera. But what I've seen in 2020 is so many businesses just start to formulate and grow. And I'm excited about doing a lot of the brands or the logos for these brands because I know that in 2020, we were able to kind of sit, learn, reevaluate, and, and, and those you know, types of things. So in 2020, what did you learn? And what creative things that came out of your kind of mind of uh, thoughts? The biggest thing I learned um, was that you can always pivot. I mean, sometimes you, you can't, you know, follow the plan until the ship goes down. Sometimes you have to, you know, get into the dinghy and go a different, a different way. Um, but I think I also realized that I had done a lot of work that prepared me um, for stability during that period and not necessarily um, financial stability, even though my company probably did the biggest numbers that it's ever done. Um, but just the, the peace of not being worried about, you know, is this client going to be able to pay or am I going to run out of, you know, is everybody going to say no? And I'm going to, you know, I think that that's the biggest thing for me. I mean, so many people were just like so panicked that they couldn't even see like what to do next. Um, and so I think for me, that showed me that I was doing the work, but it also did show me that I had more work to do. Mm. <laughs> so um, I really did, like you say, concentrate on putting better systems in place, um, reevaluating the things that I was doing, streamlining things, um, because so many things for me slowed down. Like I was traveling every week. I was in, you know, three different cities every month. I was in London once a month because I had a client in London. And so when, when COVID hit, like everything just stopped. Yeah. And it just seemed like there were so many hours. It was crazy. Day. It was crazy. And so, but, but after I kind of got used to just being, you know, at home, um, I just started looking at all of the things personally and professionally that I could do better. And this gave me a chance to really look at things, dig things out, improve things, stop doing some things um, and really, really work on that. And I think that's been, been very beneficial.
Absolutely. And after somebody watches this episode and check into the things that you've done, get caught up on your history or get caught up on your history, uh, you know, if they have not at this point. But let's coach those people off the couch or let's coach those people who wasn't as um, motivated in 2020. What do you say to that person and what encouragement would you give to that person who is scared to start their business and they contemplated, you know, or still contemplating about just starting? is to really um, do some kind of self-evaluation and make sure that this is what you want to do. Like not everybody has to be an entrepreneur. I mean, it's not the life for everybody. And not everybody has to be just a full-time entrepreneur. Some people have jobs in their own business and they're perfectly happy. And I, I was that way for a long time. Um, one of the biggest decisions I had to make was to resign because I loved what I did, you know, so much. Um, so I would say really take some time to evaluate. And if you are still working, if you do still have a job, then really, um, you know, start to build your business so that when you are ready to make that transition, if that's the decision you make, that you have a good foundation in, in place. Um, and then I would also say, look at, look at some businesses. If you were about to start a business, look at some of the businesses that people are now going to use um, or need after COVID. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I did was um, I started a credit repair agency. Um, because so many people were out of jobs and, you know, not paying their bills and their credit is going to tank and then, you know, they're going to need a lot of work. And it was making money from day one because people really do need it. And, and it's just outside of me, but it, it's just another revenue stream in case, you know, this continues and, you know, things change. Um, you know, you really do have to look at things that people want, things that people need and things that can diversify your, your income. I mean, Nikki Woods Media is great, but if Nikki Woods doesn't show up, <laughs> Nikki Woods Media, and I wanted to create something that didn't solely depend on, on me. Mm, no, that's good advice. So um, come on, get up off the couch. And like you said, you don't necessarily have to start a business, uh, but if you're thinking about, you know, for people that's listening or watching us, and you're not sure if you should leave your business and, and start your passion, well, you can do both, you know, you got 24 hours in a day, and if you just commit maybe one hour to, to, to start your business, or to just do whatever it is that you're scared to do, you don't have to leave your current job, I typically just say, you know, you can, you can certainly use your current paying job to fund your passion. So I don't, it's, your, it's your investment. And, and if I can build a business with the hours that I work and the demanding, um, I don't think people even realize like the time that most of us had to put in with Tom um, and just the nuances because, you know, it was, it was me and I was like the only single mom with, with young kids. Um, and we were in 122 cities. So it, on any given day, Tom could be like wheels up at noon. We're going to <laughs> And I'm like, I got kids. Like, the whole life I have to arrange in order to do that. But that was part part of the job. Um, and so, so yeah. So just make sure it's something that you want. But then also, I mean, know that this you you can't start a business and leave yourself at home, right? And so if you you have any kind of a personal problem, or if you have any kind of a you know your faith isn't strong enough, or whatever, it is going to leak into your business. And so you have to work on your profession and constantly growing and learning there. But personally, you have to continue to do the work as well. It's like, I don't, I don't think I've ever had to have the kind of space that I've had to have, you know, as an entrepreneur, because even yeah. though, you know, you can have the most demanding job, it's still a job where, you know, every Friday or yeah. whatever, every two weeks that that paycheck is going to hit. Mm -hmm. 
And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, there's some re, you know recourse you can take, and, and that's not the way as an entrepreneur. No, definitely. And, you you if you so, entrepreneur, if you don't work, you don't eat for real. <laughs> yeah, and I, and so you really do have to have a certain amount of faith. But then the other thing that and I was talking about this earlier, the other thing that I think that people do um, when they start their own business is they just create another job for themselves. Yeah. And so it's like we're so busy as entrepreneurs, and, and clearly you have to make a sacrifice in the beginning. But you want to set it up so that you free yourself up to live the life that you're building this business <laughs> to support. And that it's not this, you know, chain to a computer all the time, you know, and if you're not there, then nothing happens kind of situation. So I always, I always suggest that people look at the long term, like, what do you want the long term to look like? If you're going to be building a staff, start putting those systems in place. If you want to be, you know, just have a laptop business and make sure that you understand all of the online marketing and have those auto automation systems in, in place. But look further down than I just want to call myself an entrepreneur and really look at how you want to live your life and how this business is going to benefit it. Absolutely. Nikki Woods is dropping gems, as they say on the new app called Clubhouse. Nikki, are you on Clubhouse? Oh, God. <laughs> I I am, and I really, I love the conversation, <laughs> but it's just like another thing to do. You know, it's like just another thing. Um, but I think it's a very unique app, and I think that people are getting a lot of value out of it, and I think it's really good for networking. Yes. Um, but I think you need to pick your pick your poison. I don't think you should be everywhere all the time, or you'll never be able to run your business. No, absolutely. I tell some folks I, in, in some rooms I've been in, it's not really helpful to just follow everybody. You know, you get into some of these rooms, they go, everybody, follow the moderators, follow the moderators. I'm like, the moderator is into something totally different <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> than I am. And if I'm in this hallway, I'm, I'm watching maybe some, room, some rooms he's in, and I'm not, or she, and I'm not trying to jump into that. So no, the club space is really, really crazy. But I can't let you get up out of here, Nikki Woods, the hardest working woman in show business, without talking about working with the hardest man in show business, the fly job, Tom Joyner. Whew, how was that working alongside of that guy? Um, it was the best and the worst of times. Wasn't that like a, a Charles Dickens thing? No, it wasn't the worst of anything. Um, but it, it was a it was a hard it was a hard position to have. Um, but it was it it was so wonderful all at the same time. I mean, it's like every day. I mean, imagine just, you know, going into a studio and laughing for like four hours straight, you know, <laughs> with like Jay and all the other, you know, and just the conversation. I mean, it was, it was really, um, it was a really great way to end the career. And I think about, you know, all the things that TV and radio has done and the experiences to the, to the White House and my parents and my kids to the White House. And I, you know, I, I don't think my dad thought I was legit until I <laughs> recognized me and knew my name. And my dad was like, oh, maybe she really did have a job, you know. Um, so we've done so many things. My kids have had so many experiences. Like they've been on the stage when the Jackson 5 was performing. You know, they've oh, met, man. you know, um, you know, all of the great Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and all of the greats, you know. I mean, it's like they've they've done things that most, um, kids wouldn't necessarily get to do and all because, you know, I had this career. Um, and that's kind of what I <laughs> put in my mind when I think about all the sacrifices that we also had to make because of my career. Um, but it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was challenging. It was demanding. Um, but, you know, you're talking about working for a guy, like when they had the hur hurricane in, in Haiti, 
Uh-huh. Like Tom was like, fire up the jet. Like we're going to Haiti, you know. And I'm like, I don't think they're gonna let us in. It's an earthquake. We can't land. Uh, we went to the Dominican Republic and waited, and then we went to Haiti. So it's like those kind of things, um, you know, that you just wouldn't. We got to go um, to to the whole Star Wars camp, and um, the guy with his name George, whatever Lucas, Lucas. like he took us through a tour of, of the Star wow. Wars. Camp. I mean, it was. So those kind of things you don't necessarily um, get to do. So it's like if I weigh the sacrifices and I weigh the long hours and I weigh the, you know, the 2 a.m. calls from Tom talking about, say, man, I got an idea. I'm say, man, I'm asleep um, kind of thing. Um, it, 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 it just was a wonderful ride. It really That's was. Cool. Because, yeah. I mean, working at GCI with Crazy Howard McGee, you're having – a hundred, well, a million listeners, but then you get to Tom join a morning show where you got some eight million listeners. Was any of that pressure on for you saying, wait, I got to, no, no pressure at all? No. Um, no, I think that, I think that one of the things that I learned especially as a woman in, in this kind of business, I mean, like I was telling people like, you know, Roland Martin and Don Lemon and Jesse Jackson, like what to do, BL Hughley, you know, <laughs> it's like I was the one that was like telling them, you know, what to do and, um, I had to I had to go in knowing who I was and what value that I brought to the show. Um, and, you know, I told Tom, I was like, look, you know, it's not going to work if we're not a team. Like, mm-hmm. I can't tell Jay to do something and then you come <laughs> behind me and tell him to do something else. Because even though technically um, Tom wasn't my boss, Tom was my boss. You know, so it's like the man's <laughs> name was in the jingle. Um, and so, you know, he had you know, obviously a lot of weight. Um, so, so you, I had to go in knowing that I had to put my foot down. And that's what I told a couple of people, like, you know, don't mess with me. <laughs> like, it's not going to go well for you. Um, but starting with that kind of respect, um, made it a lot easier, um, for them to trust me and trust my judgment. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, the buck stopped with me before it got to Tom. And if anything went wrong, you know, Tom was looking at me, he wasn't right. looking at like the website could go down and Tom would be like, well, Nikki, what's going on? Like, <laughs> like I'm the senior producer here. Like, I'm not. <laughs> so it's like everybody sees me as like this producer, but I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've always wanted to be the talent. And so that's what you did. I mean, coming outside of, you know, from the Tom Join the Morning Show, um, and he's been retired. And you now the front center host, uh, you know, of Nikki Woods Media. Do you ever call Tom and say, hey, come on out of retirement? Hey, man. I'm still working. No, I want Tom to stay retired. I really do. <laughs> Tom, Tom has worked, you know, Tom has been in radio longer than I've been alive. Wow. So Tom has done, I wanted him to retire for a long time ago, to be honest. Tom, Tom deserves to enjoy the fruits of his labor. He really does. And I think that he's still doing so much good. Um, without having to get up at three o'clock in the morning, um, you know, with his, you know, with the 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 HBCU, um, you know, fund foundation, the Tom Joyner Foundation, the HBCUs, and all of that. Um, I mean, I think it it sometimes you have to say, okay, I've done all I can do in this current role. Um, and I think that one of the things that it took Tom a while is because he felt responsible for all of the people he had on staff. Like mm-hmm. he had a he had a whole company, and if he retired. There goes the company, (laughs) you know, and, and so luckily he was able to diverse and bring in new talent and it's continued like with Ricky Smiley and DL Hughley and, um, you know, all of those people, but he really did pay his dues. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And it really was at the end, um, 
platform trying to um, to exist in a in a social media world where everybody wanted you to be, you know, 25 and, and tweeting. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I don't Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and people follow it, Tom. If it was to the boat, you know, uh, on the cruises, mm-hmm. or if it was on the plane, but they followed Tom on in radio. It was like, okay, what Tom thinks about it, and he stayed true to who he was. Uh, he's a great man of Omega Sci-Fi, so he's my Greek brother. Uh, but I, I love Tom, and I just kind of always wanted to know what was your insight of working with Tom. But what's the legacy? Uh, my last question, uh, Nikki Woods, because you certainly have one. Queen, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? I told I told my son the other day, I was like, when I die, all I want on my tombstone is that I showed up. I go. think that so many people miss opportunities because because um, they just don't show up and they don't um, show up to the best of their ability because either they think it's just a job or whatever it is. But, um, you know, now that my kids both have, have jobs and my youngest son actually um, got a recommendation from his manager, actually it was the, the, the state manager um, of the restaurant. And I cried when I read this recommendation. I've never gotten a recommendation like that. I mean, it was, it was glowing. And I sent it to my dad because I always say I got my work ethic from my, my father. Like the reason that I'm able to work so hard is because I watched my father and I, and I watched him work with such integrity that, you know, that's just what I, I knew. Mm. Um, and it was funny because my dad came to Dallas and my mom and we took him into the studio and, and, and Tom was asking my dad, he was like, so how, you know, has Nikki told you how she likes Dallas? And he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, that's good. Is she working out for you? Like, is, is she doing the job that you need her to do? It's like always focused on the work ethic, but I realized when I saw that recommendation letter that even though I never like said, okay, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, that they were watching me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, he literally the last line was whatever he puts his mind to, he'll be able to do mm-hmm. because he's just such a, a hard and determined worker, but he also has the ability to motivate people and inspire people and do things that most people wouldn't do. And that's what I pride myself on. Like, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do. Um, and so, you know, and realizing that every role is important. I think that's also the biggest lesson I learned from radio and being part of a team. Um, you know, Tom's name is in the jingle, but Tom couldn't have done that by himself. Um, he needed Sybil. He needed Jay. He needed me. He needed the person pushing the button and playing the music and the production. Um, and he knew that. And he gave all of us our, our just rewards and our props. And he really was good at making sure that everybody had a chance to shine. Um, he was like, he was a brilliant conductor because he just kind of moved things along and let everybody do what they had to do. Um, but I think my legacy is my children, but it's also that, that no matter what happens, um, I showed up. I showed up. The Nikki Woods, thank you so much for joining the oh, podcast this season three. Uh, I had another one of our Chicago personalities who was um, – I mean, really, for me, I was so honored. I wasn't going to say he was honored. I was so honored to have A.C. Green on. I told him I was listening to him give yeah. real estate advice, and I didn't even have a house at the time, but I was taking notes then and, you know, him giving tips and tricks about mortgages. And so I had him on last season, and so to have the Nikki Woods on this season, I'm done. The season can wrap after this. <laughs> <all> retire now. <laughs> no. I, 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 very intentional. I, I wanted to speak with you, as I mentioned, several years ago, reaching out to you on Twitter, and you've been 
very gracious then and kind and still to this day. So I thank you for taking the time out of your schedule, um, you know, to speak with me and have this conversation and get caught up on the things that you're doing. And hopefully our listeners took some things away from the lessons and some of the gems that you dropped. <laughs> so before you get up out of here, uh, Ms. Woods, let people know how they can keep up with you and also catch you on all the social media platforms. No, absolutely. So I love, I love interacting with people on social media. So my mom says it's easier to tweet me than it is to call me. Um, so I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Those are probably, um, and LinkedIn. Those are probably the places you'll find me most. And it's Nikki Woods everywhere. Um, but I am on Clubhouse now. I've heard of that. So, um, so it's, it's just really exciting. But there's a whole Chicago radio room that you should you should check out too on Clubhouse. So no, I'm not. And I, because I didn't know you were on Clubhouse, I'll be following you once I yeah. wrap this up so I can see yeah. where that is. Because that's how it is. You got to be in proximity with people. And so I, I love I'll that part. You. Yeah, follow me. I'll follow you back and I'll ping you when we have another radio conversation. But like, cool yeah, like, Mike Love and the Diz and Rick Party. and Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like some of the people that, you know, we listen to or we worked with and, you know, that has come out of Chicago and the things. Herb Kent was somebody who I would have loved to have picked brain. I used to work with Selena Johnson uh, when she lived and I lived in Chicago and Herb Kent was at an event. We were at a silent auction and it was the first time I was able to meet him. And I was like, Herb, I listened to you. And like, he had the best voice. And when I saw him, I was like, wait, that's Herb? That's Herb. <laughs> but he's a cool, <laughs> chill. Yeah. Everybody says that with this because he's so skinny and, you know, yeah. he's like this booming voice that's just like, yeah. Yeah, but he lit up the room definitely still with his grace and his kindness too. But we'll talk all day. I'm in Dallas, Texas, so I may see you at the park small. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll definitely stay in touch. Definitely, y'all. Nikki Woods. Definitely keep up with everything she got going. Again, thank you, Ms. Woods, for taking the time to join me on this podcast. You've been listening to another episode of Finesse Media Podcast, Season 3, and I'll see you next week with something brand new. Peace. You've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.